So I'm probably not a familiar voice that you hear on the Lid Pickers, but I was called in, helped some friends do an intro. So welcome to a special feature that we have on the Lid Pickers with Supriya Nair, Dipanjana Pal. And uh, this is called Slim Pickings. Okay, Pickings, because we're still picking at things. Slim, I'm not so sure how slim. Not at all slim. So basically in Slim Pickings, what we do is that uh, we answer a few questions, Supriya and I. Burning questions that must be at the top of your head the moment. I don't know what happens at that moment, but there is a moment at which I feel these questions are at the top of your heads. Mm. I think so too. And I, I, the, the excitement is that like they still somehow have something to do with reading. Oh, they have loads to do with reading, I think. I think the first one I got, which I'm kind of excited about, um, is what are the three books to read to your eight-year-old at bedtime? Mm. Do you guys have some uh, recos? This was a great question that was difficult for me to answer because I had to think back to what I read when I was an eight-year-old. And that is now a long time back in history. All the children I buy books for are are sort of much younger than eight at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks to all my friends for reproducing late in life. <laughs> so I read, you know, the the Akbar Birbal, Tenali Raman kind of stories that were about like outwitting, smarty pants, outwitting powerful people, which I think is a great path to set your child on. But also I grew up with my grandparents who gave me these sort of super traditional, you know, abridged Charles Dickens and abridged, uh, yeah. Alexandre Dumas, which was all a lot of fun and sort of set the course for several obsessions to come. But I suppose the question is what kind of uh, adult you are. And uh, if I were in your place, reader, I would just I would just try and make it fun for myself as much as for the eight-year-old I was reading for. Yeah. So I don't know, why not just read what you're reading to the child, but do it with like voices and, you know, make it funny and obviously leave out the stuff that would traumatize them because then they're going to wake up in the middle of the night and climb into your bed, which maybe you don't want. Yeah, because when you were talking about horror, the first thing that I thought of as a child would be like, the R.L. Stein books. <laughs> yeah, I read... So dating me. <laughs> so if you think about it, this whole notion that children can't handle scary stuff is a completely ridiculous idea rooted in contemporary modern ideas of parenting. Children's story tales have traditionally been full of really scary stuff. Mm. Whether you look at legends like Bengal has the series called Takumar Juli, which are basically horror stories. Every ghost story that you can think of, most of them have roots in children's literature. Fairy tales, the Grimm's fairy tales. The Grimm is not just a surname, can I just put it, (laughs) to the readers. No, they're really dark. There's a lot of horrible stuff that happens in these stories and children process it fine. We have traditionally processed this stuff as children and not struggled. But okay, so three books that I would recommend as eight-year-old bedtime reading Definitely the first one, none of these are scary, by the way. The first one is Julian is a Mermaid by Jessica Love, which is one of the most beautiful picture books I have ever seen. Like I could frame every single page. Mm. It's about a small person who wants to be a mermaid. And it is inclusive, diverse, funny, sweet, amazing grandmother character, just completely heartwarming. 
The second book that I will recommend is by a friend. She's a very favorite children's author of mine. Even if she wasn't a friend of mine, I would have recommended this. But, you know, as it turns out, she is. It's called Kitten Trouble. And it's by Bijal Vachrajani. And this is a story of uh, a child who is petrified of cats and her mom brings a kitten home. Oh. And it is, it's illustrated by Raji Vipe, who is a genius. And it is so cute. It's just like, because here's the thing, right? Bedtime reading, there's part of it is, of course, voices and creating things. But if you can also show the kid what's happening, yeah. like open up pages and play around with that, you can do that with both these books. And I guess... You can't do that sort of play acting with the pages with this last book, but you definitely have a lot to play with otherwise. Roald Dahl's The BFG. BFG stands for the Big Friendly Giant, who's actually the runt of the giant lot. And the BFG goes around blowing dreams into kids' homes. And one of these little girls spots him and she goes with him to the land of giants. So the adventures of Sophie and BFG are, they were my absolute favorite as a kid. Like I loved Roald Dahl because, because of stories like BFG, they were very hard in terms of a lot of the realities that they were talking about. You know, his kids are sometimes orphans, sometimes have horrible birth families. You know, they're like, mm -hmm. People coming out to kill them. Someone's going to turn them into something else. And this one's going to, you know, be in a chocolate fountain for the rest of their lives, which sounds great until you realize, no, it is not a good fit. But in that macabre world, there is joy and there is friendship and there's hope, mm. which is the best thing that you can give to both a kid and yourself at the end of a long day. I so definitely Roald Dahl was if I was going because I was trying to think of like what was the stuff the same thing that you said Supriya like what did I grow up with that I loved and Roald Dahl was definitely one of them and I very vividly remember my mom buying me a book and it I think she used to I don't remember if she used to read out of it but Hans Christian Andersen mm -hmm. like that's going like way back so a lot of these like writers that we grew up with I think. Um, yeah, I think I definitely want to read my... I mean, when you think books. of Hans Christian Andersen, one of his most famous stories is about the girl with the little red shoes. Yeah. Right? Just think about that for a second. <laughs> horrifying. It's horrifying what happened. Those are legs and shoes that just go on dancing on their own. And by the way... And little... not like Robin. <laughs> like A Little Mermaid, like the story is yeah. also like, yeah. And that story horrifying. is... Horrifying. These like, exchanges, particularly like when you look at the fairy tales and the exchanges and the transactions really that princesses and women in general have to do in order to get like a sliver of joy is... Um, very realistic for the times from which these fairy tales emerged. I mean, they I continue to be realistic Indeed. even in our times in yeah. many ways. But it's also why I feel like these are stories that should be told rather than read out. Because I feel like, I mean, they were originally is a weird thing to say for oral literature, but <laughs> they were intended to be told. They were not meant to be fixed in one form. You were supposed to shift it around and mold it like clay to fit this world that you're in, to give it hope or to make it even more gruesome than it actually is. So you, So that's why I meant, that's what I was talking about when I said... It depends on what kind of a parent you are. 
you can terrorize a kid with little red shoes. You can put the fear of an apple, sleep, innocent, banal things can be completely terrifying if that's how you're going to tell them to a kid. Mm-hmm. Or you can make them not terrifying and seem like everyday things that you can get past. And there's something to be said for being being alert to the possibilities and menace contained in everyday life. You know, like, I don't think the reason why we've had fear as an integral part of so many kids' stories is not just because fear is one of the primal evolutionary instincts of humans, but because there's a lot to be learned from being afraid. Mm -hmm. You know, real courage is in being afraid and still going ahead and doing something. So yeah, what kind of a parent are you and how would you like to terrorize this child? That is what it all comes down to. I love that we're sort of the greatness of a good children's book is in horror. Which is, yeah, I think it's in the unknown because there's so much in a big, confusing world for a child to know. And I think this is a great way of processing that. Super. Okay, so that was our slim pickings for the week. Come back for so much more every week with less me and more. But thank you so much for doing this with us, May. It's always lovely to have you. That's us just, you know, making kissy noises. That was it for this slim picking for fatter conversations and greasier talk. Listen in to The Lit Pickers with Supriya and Dipanjana. Bye for now. The Lit Pickers is a Made in India production. Don't forget to rate and review and follow or subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, tell everyone you know about the show. Share it on social media, tell your friends and family, scream about it on your rooftop. It really helps get the word out. Oh, and use the hashtag LitPickers. Follow Supran the Panjana on Twitter or Instagram. You can also find all of the books they've mentioned or recommended in an online resource via a link in our episode description. Thanks. Keep listening. <laughs>